0: M9X family of cars, the Cayman, the Boxer, and the 996 and 997.1. What, I mean, I guess we everybody's obviously going to know that borscht coring is a serious issue right alongside the IMS bearing problem. And a, a lot of people on the forums are like, how in the world would we even test for an IMS bearing problem other than you have some kind of uh, written proof <laughs> that um, the the job was done. I mean, what can a owner or a potential owner do to protect themselves? Because you know, a lot of these jokers will change the oil right before you buy the car. Mm-hmm. What 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 could you what could you tell them about the IMF bearing problem? Maybe Snowflake right there could help.
1: Yeah, I think she could. I mean, well, she's smarter than some. She's smarter than some of the people that try to pull these 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 uh, shenanigans. So, a car—never buy a car that just had the oil changed, because now all this, all these, basically the the clues are gone. Okay, never buy a car that's just been painted. Only a fool does that. Okay, I like to buy something that's raw. Right? I I don't I don't want to. Get something somebody's just freshened up. Like if you look at a lot of these cars on bring a trailer, you know they've been undercoated on the bottom side, or they've painted it black on the bottom side, or whatever. Yeah. No, if I don't see a little bit of dirt splashed up on the bottom of that car, or or something, it don't add up to me, okay? Because and people are like, man, you you just don't trust anybody. No, hell no, I do not trust anybody. It takes me years to trust people, because I'm not going to be that guy that is victimized. If somebody pulls the wool over my eyes, if somebody rips me off, they're really freaking good, or I'm really off my game, one of the two. Um,
0: well, I'll just say uh, – I if, give in, in, in,
1: in any of those circumstances, are my fault, right? But yeah. another example – okay, let me tell you something else that I had happen, and this is another real concern. So a friend of mine and I bought a Panamera. 2014 panamera it needed a transmission okay so we were gonna buy the car and i was gonna fix it and we'd you know turn around and sell it or something like that if we were gonna use it for some test work or whatever and then turn around and sell it so we uh we get it running they they said it needed a new transmission which was like 11 grand but i fixed it for 400 bucks literally OK, and uh, 400 bucks and reprogrammed a module. No big deal. And um, the car was sold dirt cheap, needing this work done to it. So my friend decides he wants to just buy it from me or buy my part out of it or whatever. So I sell him, I sell him my piece of the car and he decides that, you know, he's going to drive it for a while. So he drives it for a while. Then he decides that he wants to sell the car. He turns around, and he advertises the car for sale. Now, keep in mind, he had a Georgia title for this car that was given to him the day that he bought it. And he decides, like I said, that he was going to turn and sell the car. So he advertises it. The day he advertises it, two guys show up to test drive the car. They test drive the car. They never bring the car back. So he's like, somebody stole the car. So he calls up and, like, does a star 69 or whatever on the phone number they called from, and it comes back to a repo company. Two repo guys saw that VIN number pop up on, like, CarTrader or whatever. They came up, pretended like they were going to be test driving the car, and they took it. They repoed the damn car. He lost the car. Because it had a fake title. Somebody had washed the title, okay? So if somebody says I got a title in hand, don't even trust that. okay? And it was even in the guy's name that had the driver's license that sold him the car. But it was a fake title. And the only way anybody found out about it was the person that was the department of you know the tax commissioner or whatever it was, Department of DMV head at that time wasn't the same one that was supposed to be on there they had taken an old title and they washed it left that person's name on it and nobody caught it not even the tag office caught it to begin with the car had a bad title and even the car fax was good but the car got repoed and he lost all the money so you can't trust people from that perspective either and even cashier's checks you know you asked me when you oh. sold your car i mean there's fake cashier's checks so i mean what can you do? Do you go through life not trusting anybody and, and having to live in fear, um, you know, or do you take some chances? Well, yes, take so the chances that are necessary for you to go on about your business and go on about your life and not live in fear. But at the same time, you've got to cover your ass. You have to. You have to look at everything that can be out there. Um, Oh yeah, I mean, you buy you, if you buy and sell and trade enough stuff, you're going to get ripped off. It's going to happen. Yeah, I, I've I had mean, it happen a couple of times. Even me, being me, I bought a, a couple of the cars that I imported from overseas weren't what they were supposed to be. Oh you know? yeah, I mean, that car came from eight thousand miles away. I couldn't do a PPI, even exactly. though I had a friend of mine look at it.
0: Yeah, it my, you remember my story about my nephew? He, you know, bought a, what he thought was a, uh, a car that had a clean title and. Yep. took the title to the TAG office, and um, TAG office there in Cleveland. And yep. it turned out that that, that uh, title was one of the best frauds that they've ever seen. And yep. uh the GBI and the FBI got involved and found out that they had hooked with somebody in a printing company that understood the paper and the embossment and everything. But when they ran it in the computer at the TAG office, they quickly found that that TAG uh, that car was owned by a person in Florida. But they were moving this car around the southeast using a bogus title. And then what they were doing is they were putting a tracker on the car. So in the middle of the night, the car was snatched up. And that's yep. that's exactly what happened is my nephew got a phone call and uh, his girlfriend was at the DMV or the tag office and said, you know, this title is no good. And then he, she said, well, go check the VIN on the car. <laughs> and he goes in the back and the car is gone. And eventually they found the car and they found the guy that was doing it, but he was out $20,000, you know?
1: Yep. Exactly. So, but I mean, there's all kinds of stuff like that. But the, the main thing that we've got to talk about here is the mechanical aspects yeah. of it. And it's just happening left and right. I mean, it, it's it, sometimes three to four times a month this happens, especially this time of year. This is when people are buying these cars. And, you know, you and I talked about doing a pre-purchase inspection video um, that would be sold. And that's something that I think we, we need to do. Um, but people want us to give it to them. You know, I mean, they, they just, they just, they want it for free and I'm not going to do that. I mean, you know, if that's, that's the whole thing, keeping it up right now. I mean, how much is it worth for you to save 20,000, $30,000? Is that worth a hundred bucks? I mean, I'm not doing that video for less than $99. It's not happening. And people said that was too much money. So if you can't spend a hundred bucks for a video that you can use to buy your dream car and not get your ass ripped off, I think it's foolish. To not want to spend a hundred bucks to do that—it's stupid.
0: Well, that's the thing, and and you know a lot of people, they they don't you don't take the advice to get a good scan tool. They they just say I'll never spend a thousand dollars for a Durametric, but you just spent thirty thousand dollars for your nine eleven, but you won't spend. A, a well, that Durametric. For a good scan. Okay, let's
1: let's say one time you need an airbag light turned off. One time, okay. Oh, and you I did that. Did, I removed yeah, okay. the
0: seat in my nine eleven.
1: With a battery connected. And it boom. Yeah, exactly. And then you had to take it to the dealer or whatever. So any Well I had a
0: scan tool.
1: Yeah. Well, exactly. (laughs) But but that's a classic example of, you know, do that three or four times you'll pay for the durametric but that durametric lets you do all kinds of other very cool stuff as well i mean you know i would really like to get the guys from durametric to come on one of these rencasts with us because i love what they've got i mean it's i mean hell you can use it i've used it on a car as new as about a 17 i think 17 about as new as i've used it i haven't tried anything newer than that i think i think i use it for a 2017
0: well let's uh, Um, let's talk about um let's talk about if i'm I think a lot of people really want their first experience to be a good one. And what are, aside from more scoring and um, the IMS bearing problem, what, what are some things about the M9X that you really need to be concerned about so that, you know, so that the person would definitely have a, an inspection done and 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 just i'll just add to this things that they would need to ask for i know that i've seen many times where they assume they were doing the more scope and the shop says "Uh -uh, that takes too much time you know that's going to be a lot more money involved yeah but what are are some things well well, i see
1: let me tell you I see people worried about the wrong things for a certain car, like especially on those Facebook groups. And this, this is something that we can cut out of this, this Rencast and use in other places. Okay. Because this is going to be something critical. I see happen all the time. My guy with a 07 Cayman S I'm worried about the IMS bearing dude. Don't be, I'm not saying it's not going to fail, but I'm going to, I'm going to tell you now, I have seen three of those bearings fail since 2006, three of them. I see three of the older IMS bearings fail a month a lot of times, okay? So, we've seen three of those collectively fail since 2006, since those cars were brand new. If you have an 06 to 08 Cayman S, R base, okay, if you have a 05 to 08 9971 base, R S, don't don't even be worried about the IMS. It, uh, unless unless you... your car's an 05, unless your car's an 05 and you know 05. it may have the small bearing, okay? And then you've got to do a visual inspection. There's a couple of ways you can do that. We're gonna cover in a video, okay? But if you especially if you're let's just talk 06 to 08. We know that the 06 to 08 car is gonna have the M97 bearing, the large diameter, latest generation bearing. Do not even worry about it. Change the freaking oil. If you got to pull the tranny out to do a clutch later on, rip the bearing seal off of it. Other than that, don't do anything to it. Don't let somebody c- convince you that you can take a freaking hole saw, bore a hole in the back of the engine, create a bunch of foreign object debris and change a bearing. There's no reason to change that bearing. That bearing just doesn't fail. You are worried about the wrong thing, sir. You need to be worried about bore scoring.
0: Oh yeah, if you I track think that uh... car
1: If you track that car, you need to be worried about broken rod bolts, okay? Those are the two things that are going to take you out. Don't worry about the IMS. Throw that away. I wouldn't worry about it at all. It's not your concern. We are the people that get the phone calls when these engines fail. I I won't say a hundred percent of the people out there that have a failure call us, but I damn sure bet you ninety percent of them do. Yeah. Well, I think if they, they don't uh, buy an engine, out of the ninety percent that calls us, we sell an engine to one percent.
0: Well, I That's think it. the uh, that idea that you know, you drill into the crankcase, extract the M97 bearing, defies all logic, even even someone with half a brain that's never built an engine would say, you know what, you're probably going to get metal inside the engine, which then is going to take out other things inside the engine.
1: Well, and then the thing is, they say that it's small pieces, real small pieces, and those don't matter, but they matter more, and and people that have a failure need to understand The smaller, lighter weight particulate, this material is very small and very lightweight, suspends itself within the oil. It becomes part of the oil volume and flow. It then passes through the oil pump and takes it out. And then a lot of times it will bypass the oil filter or it splashes up into cylinders because they don't see filtered oil, they see splash oil a lot of times. And that causes other things to wear out. So that small, very, very fine debris is the absolute worst thing you can have because it suspends itself in the lifeblood of the oil, the engine oil, uh, lifeblood of the engine, and it gets distributed out to all the components. It would be like taking, you know, sand and putting it in your pancake syrup, right? Yeah. It's going to get all in your mouth and everywhere else. It's yeah. the same thing. This is So a big, heavy chunk, a big, heavy chunk of something, it's just going to fall to the bottom. It's never even going to get picked up. It's just going to live in the sump for years. We've seen some chunks of, of these engines live in the sump since 1998 and never do anything, okay? But that small particulate that is so fine and so lightweight, that is the problem. And what do you do? Anybody ever took a hole saw and drilled into a piece of wood? it creates sawdust, right? If you take a hole saw that you basically turn into a machine tool and a carbide cutter and you machine into a crankcase, it's going to create that aluminum dust that is going to get inside the engine. And there's nothing you can do to keep it from happening. You can pressurize it with air. You can put grease on the tip of the thing. You can do all kinds of crap but you are going to get debris in there. I've seen those cars come to us with 900 miles on them with a debris-filled sump, and we got to build the guy a $24,000 engine. It happens. Yeah. Um, it's, just, it's just bad sense. It makes no sense.
0: Let's end this segment with uh, just getting your opinion on where would you suggest people find a good deal, if you will, or a – a good opportunity to find a, a really good, nice uh, Porsche. Would it be, would you recommend, I think I know your answer to this, would you recommend them um, buying it from auctions to start off, like, or even the extreme cases, which, you know, we met, we mentioned Hoovy's garage where he, you know, buys a lot of the cars yeah. at salvage auctions. Would you recommend that or Craigslist or bring a trailer? What would you recommend Uh, for someone that's buying one of these cars for the first time
1: well i would start with the local porsche club because you know if you want to have a good experience the one thing that you need to do is make sure you buy the right car and a lot of times people that are part of pca if they've owned the car for a while they take great pride and it's considered a necessity by club members to keep that car well-maintained, which actually means doing more than the owner's manual says you have to do. The owner's manual doesn't tell you a third of what needs to be done for these cars, Um, even at your major services, 30, 60, 90,000 miles, things like that. So if you start at PCA, you might find somebody who wants to get a newer car or they have more than one car, they want to sell it, and you're going to get a car that's well-represented and you're going to be buying it from somebody who has a bit of a, you know, reputation in the club that they want to keep. Um, you're not going to buy that the cheapest car there, but you're probably going to buy the car there that that is least apt to bite you in the ass and and turn your dream into a nightmare. Honestly, um, other than that. Ask around friends, family members, you know anybody that might know where one of these cars is for sale. Uh, a private seller on you know Car Trader or something like that. Um, bring a trailer if the car is close enough for you to go look at, and if the guy will do let you do a PPI, but you're gonna have to act quick because that you need to get that done while the vehicle is being auctioned. Um, like I had a guy one time buy a, a military vehicle from me on bring a trailer, and After he bought it, he wanted to do a PPI. I'm like, no, dude. I even said right there in the auction, if you want to do a PPI, it has to happen during the auction. Because now, if you bought this car and for some reason it didn't pass this PPI, then you just wasted a week of my time dealing with BAT and about 5,000 comments from another bunch of armchair guys out there that are worse than forumites um, in a lot of cases. I love a lot of the comments on BAT but there's also a lot of people that are just there to stir crap like they are on forums. Um, but I wouldn't let him do it. And luckily there was nothing that happened with it. I mean, it was a, a good transaction. I already knew about the vehicle. I drove it all the time. You know, it was, it was, it was pretty hard to hurt one of those things. Um, but you know, PCA is a good place to start. Um, and the first thing I will tell you is the most expensive Porsche you will ever own is the cheapest one you can buy
0: yeah and that and goes the way around that, doesn't yep. it the cheapest right, Porsche they, is the yep. most expensive one to, yep. to own <laughs> exactly there's,
1: exactly there's people all the time that that call me up and they're like man i you know i can't believe that you got to charge me twenty thousand dollars plus for an engine i only paid 14 for the car there is your problem that is the reason why you're calling me three weeks in. Usually, these things happen three weeks in. I don't know what it's about three weeks, but usually, three weeks in, the guy, you know, it, it, the, the crap hits a fan and <clears throat> he has a problem and he has to call me three weeks in. Um, but yeah, you, you, you paid 12 or 14 grand for the cheapest car you could find at the time. And now you've learned that there's a big difference between affording to buy. Buy a Porsche, and affording to own a Porsche. Okay, and and I want to tell everybody out there this this other other little fact. They're like, I just can't believe it costs twenty thousand dollars to build this engine. Well, it doesn't if you cut corners and you use substandard parts and you do a sweep the floor dirty rebuild where all you do is throw some gaskets at the damn thing and let it go out the door. Um, it doesn't cost twenty grand to do that, but if I'm sucking you know, 130 hours of our lives into it, yeah, it's going to cost twenty grand plus to start because we're going to have fifteen thousand bucks in parts and processes. Um, but all of those are things to consider. You know, don't buy the cheapest car, and, and then the other thing is, don't go buy some low mileage queen. I, I had a car come in that had twelve thousand miles on a four And the funny thing is, that car already had two other engines in it. In 12,000 miles, it was on its third engine. The first one died with an IMS. The second one broke a timing chain. And the third one had bore scoring. 12,000 miles, the cars had four owners at 12,000 miles. And I hate driving low mileage cars. That car was a 1999 with that kind of miles on it. It drove like crap. The steering was sticky. The tires were flat spotted. Um, all the 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 foam inside the vents were blowing out you know don't go buy some low mileage garage queen because that car failed one time under warranty the second time it was out of warranty for age because it was more than 36 months old and then it you know this other time it failed now it's 20 years out of warranty or whatever but the thing is at 12,000 miles if that guy would have driven the replacement engine, the way he should have, it would have failed under warranty. So a 12,000-mile car is an unproven car. Okay, like I see these people bragging all the time about the, these these cars that had such low mileage, and I'm like, dude, you're one of those garage decorators, man. You're using yeah. the car as a freaking ornament. Okay, and 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 I'll tell you now, in my whole car collection, the car that I have that I think needs the most amount of work done to it because it's only got 55 miles on it is a 2004 volkswagen beetle it's one of the last air cooled cars made one of the last 106 cars built and it runs like crap the brakes have got to be redone the transmission oil look like molasses because it's set up for all these years but it has 55 miles on it and i'm just letting it set there I, i mean i'd crank it and drive it but when that car ends up being worth something way on down the road, it's going to take me two or three months to work through all the bugs that it has,
0: you know, sitting around. Next time we get together, we're about out of time. Uh, I want us to talk a little bit more about uh, the air cooled Porsches and VWs. Well, specifically Porsches, you know, where there's someone that's always dreamed of owning one of the classic Porsches. What do they need to be thinking about, you know, as far as, uh, you know, upkeep and, yeah. and maintenance and what they well, need. Well, it's a to whole different because, breed. I mean, yeah. owning
1: those cars, yeah, owning those cars is a whole different breed than owning these modern cars. I mean, there's two different mindsets, and we can touch on this real quick before we go, because all of my current Porsches are air-cooled. I started selling them all off to buy more military vehicles. Um, but, you know, realistically, I just don't enjoy them anymore because they're, they're like work for me. Uh, The Volkswagen stuff is still my Escape. The military vehicle stuff's an Escape. All the other things I have is an Escape. But when I get an air-cooled Porsche, I want to feel like I strapped that car on my back and it's part of me. I know that it's going to be a raw driving experience. I know when I turn the heat on, it's going to smell like burned oil. I know that it's going to have certain characteristics when I open the door. It's going to smell a certain way. When I close the door, it's going to sound a certain way. All of these things that I've, over the last 32, 34 years of my life, have experienced with a Porsche, I'm going to experience that again. But that's not for everybody. If you don't want to turn your heat on and smell oil, don't buy an air-cooled 911. If you want to brag to me like one guy did that he had a $600,000 driveway and his 911 was leaking oil in a driveway and he wanted me to rebuild the engine just because it was leaking two drops of oil after it sat there for like three days. I said, look, I'm not building your engine. One, it doesn't need it. And two, if you spent $600,000 for your driveway, I don't want to deal with you. You're not even going to pass my gauntlet.
0: <laughs> you now, know,
1: if you've got, your... you got a $600,000 driveway for $6,000, <laughs> then you're my kind of guy. But don't brag to me about spending six hundred thousand dollars for a freaking driveway. I'm just gonna think you're a fool.
0: <laughs> you know what? Are your uh? I, I, you know this was a surprise to me when I first started working with you. Is that your favorite Porsche, air-cooled Porsche? It's not a It's not a 911. What is it? And uh, I'll let you explain that
1: was what i drove to get pizza last night it's a 912e i mean i've had the car for 24 years a lot of porsche people don't even know what the hell it is
0: yeah well when drove, you know to get i pizza, think that a lot of people yeah, see you driving up and think it is a 911 and then they go it's a
1: 911 with a volkswagen engine in it i mean and the thing is people try to make things into things they're not while i'm busy keeping that car the way it's supposed to be but i, I went to drive to get pizza i did curbside pickup I'm sitting there in the car waiting on him to bring the pizza out, and a guy walks up. I go to church with his dad, and he's like, hey, are you Jake? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, hey, I'm Chip, you know. And he's like, hey, I had a 911 like this one. He goes, what year is this? I said, it's a 76. I said, but it's not a 911. It's a 912E. He goes, I've never even heard of that before. I said, well, they built 2,099 of them, and this is number 985 of that. I've owned 15 of these cars. I can even remember the numbers of which ones I've had. I've probably built over 100 engines for them because I love them, And including I built the engine in number 2099, the very last one, and I was this close to building the engine for number 11, which was the very first one that they started numbering. Um, but, you know, he'd never heard of it, and I see that all the time. But that, that car, it's simple. It's got a carbureted four-cylinder in it. It makes 130 or so horsepower. I've driven that car 170,000 miles in the time that I've owned it. Um, And it still has the original paint on it. And it still looks really good. uh, But, I mean, that's the only one one I'm going to keep. Dude, I'm selling all the rest of them. If anybody wants to buy air-cooled 911 and you're not a jackass that I can't be pleased (laughs) when you buy it, I'll sell you air-cooled 911. I'm selling them all. Um, But if you're the kind of guy that can't be pleased. Right. No, the nice. I'm keeping it. I'm yeah. selling my 88 Carrera. I'm selling the 993. It has one of my 3.9s in it. I've already sold a 964. I'm selling my 356. It's a resto mod 356. Everybody says oh, that's an outlaw. No, this 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 goes a different path than an outlaw. This is a, a resto mod. I did something with this car that's more like what people do with an old Chevy that wants to put a more modern drivetrain in it and stuff like that. That's what I did with my 356. Um, I'm an outlaw every day. I don't need to build a car as one. You know?
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, that, well, I agree with that. Definitely. Uh, it did not take long reading uh, some of your threads that you're a part of to realize you're definitely an uh, outlaw. But uh, Jake, it's been good talking to you. Uh, I'd love to talk more about some of your cars in your collection, maybe talk about some of the military uh, vehicles as well as the tanks and all that good stuff. And uh, really appreciate your time.
1: Yeah, and I think everybody, you know, when we get this is we're just getting the hang of doing this Rencast thing. We're gonna start doing it live. We're gonna have, you know, a couple more people come in sometimes that are specialists in their field, or maybe just a car owner has had a, a crazy experience. I've got a guy that I want to invite to the next one. I just finished his car. He bought the car, drove it home from Florida to Alabama. It f- suffered an engine failure uh, the day after he got it home. He shipped the car to me. I actually had an engine in stock to fit that car because of what he wanted. That's something I really never have. Um, And I got the car here, still had the dealer plate on it. And, you know, I've got the car running in a couple of weeks, and now it's ready to be delivered back to the guy. And he'd be a great person to tell you, yeah, have a freaking PPI done. You know, he buys a C4S and turns around and has to spend over 20 grand on it right away. And he loved the car. He had wanted it forever. It was his forever car. And forever wasn't forever.
0: Yeah. Well, Jake, I do appreciate it, man. And uh, I look forward to doing more and hearing more of these stories. I mean, it's, uh, a lot of people only see one side of you, and but you know, there's a lot of people like myself who have really appreciated all your contribution to the forums over the years in spite of uh, some of the guys that try to rattle your cage a little bit, but we, uh, we appreciate it look forward yeah. to discussing more about these cars. Well, I think the uh, thing
1: is, you know, when, when you're sitting there and you're pounding out things on a keyboard, and hell, I can't even type. I, I mean, I hunt back still. <laughs> I think you I can. Mean, I, think, I think you well, type well, just listen, fine. Hey, hey dude, I'm, I'm fast at it, but I don't do it the right way. I do it my way. But I'm, I'm sitting here telling you, when I was in high school, I, I was a special ed student. They couldn't figure out what the hell my deal was, right? So, you know, I was in a shop class. I wasn't learning how to type. Um, that, that's a kind of a necessity. But, but it's, it's, you, know,
0: you know, of course, that's a, another topic for another day. I wanted to uh, talk a little yeah. bit about that, too, because it, it's, uh, if I remember correctly, the story goes, it's uh, one teacher saw something really special in you. Even though we, you joke about special ed, you know, getting you into industrial arts was, uh, was a, a, an amazing decision for you because it's a game changer, so to speak. Because as I remember you saying, you never wanted to leave shop. You just love being in it. You didn't want to be in the, all the other classes. You want to be in the shop working on engines and learning about them and doing all that kind of stuff. And so it, t- it took one person to see that spark in you. And then yeah. it's it definitely a game changer for you, so. But anyway, exactly. you guys, uh, thank you. I will thank all the people that are watching and I hope that you will uh, check us out again on uh, here on vision. And I hope you guys have a great day.
1: Yep, same to everybody. And we'll certainly be back with another Rencast in the future.